Hello, and welcome back to another King of the Ride podcast. And welcome into the world, Hayden Edward King. Our son was born just three days ago. Mama and baby, older sister Hazel, and of course yours truly. We are all happy and healthy. Just as soon as he's a talker, we're going to have Hayden on the podcast and ask him how his birthday went. I'm sure it was a riveting tale. Kidding, kidding. Although, truth be told, coincidentally, the morning this podcast conversation was recorded was the evening which Hayden came into the world. So already we're off to a great start, both with Little Baby Boy and this podcast. With this podcast, we are now 91% of the way to our 100th episode, which you've probably just deduced is to say, this is episode number 91, the Unbound Edition. Now, I might not have been there in Kansas on account of waiting for Hayden to come into the world. I was back home in Vermont, but back by popular demand, we have returning guest Roger Brown. My friend, my neighbor, my business partner at Untapped. Look, if that name doesn't ring a bell, which I accept, zoom on back to episode number 75 and listen to post-race breakdown from his first foray into Unbound and gravel racing in general, for that matter. Now, at that time, I asserted that Roger went into the Unbound 2021 with the least amount of training of anyone on course. And while that might not be an actual ambition of his to outdo himself in that regard, I think that he's done just that by training even less going into this year's 2022 event. And despite that superlative, Roger represents me. He represents you. Roger is, quite frankly, he's a little bit of everybody out on course. He represents this quintessential unbound racer in my mind. He is eyes wide open, which I'm sure is something that you are going to appreciate if you've heard the first episode and so many of you are going to appreciate this second time around. I'm super excited to share his story and hear what it sounds like was a wet and wild and muddy and crazy 2022 edition. If you want to take a page out of Roger's book, but then train just a little bit more, Saris is there to help. Saris is a long-term partner of mine and they make amazing equipment to make you ride better. Two specific things that I use and love are their H3 Smart Trainer and their new MHS Bike Rack. And for that matter, the number of folks who write to me and ask about the MP1 training platform is considerable, so let's put that there on the list too. Saris also makes indoor storage solutions, be it for your garage or your, your entire office. These fine folks in Madison, Wisconsin are awesome. It's a US-based company, and having met tons of the folks who work there, I proudly stand behind this brand. And if you are looking for that last little nudge, here's a handy 15% discount code for you. Use the code SARIS, S-A-R-I-S, hyphen social, S-O-C-I-A-L, hyphen 1522 for 15% off anything at saris.com. Again, saris hyphen social hyphen 1522. Alrighty, voila, without further ado, let's welcome Roger Brown to the podcast. Today's Wednesday, so about four days to have let it settle in. Um, on its face, the race appeared quite a bit different uh, on account of some some very wet weather before, during, and maybe after. I, 
Give me the summary. What do you got? So I think the wet weather, it was actually, there were a couple, I mean, it was, it was a definitely different. Um, and you went the southern course. And we went the southern course. So that was part, but you had done the. I have only one on the southern course. I've done the south three times. But, is it all, but it's not the same. Is it the same course or is it? It changes a bit, but there's like. I think there's only so much you can actually change. No, it's it's there far were a from identical. Hills. There was like the the judge. Yeah. You do the judge. I think there's like oil. I judged. Pathetic. You judged. Was it how I difficult. was judged. Oil can, oil pump hill. Anyway. Okay. But yeah. but so that so it seemed like you could see forever, and it looked like there were kind of rain clouds moving around, <laughs> and those guys that won, I have not no idea how they got as muddy as they did. Really. Because I didn't, I mean, I didn't, I finished, I was muddy, yep. but it looked like the tops of their heads were muddy. Ah. Uh, I don't even know how they could see. Well, I often saw them with their sunglasses on the tip of their nose so as to prevent, my guess is, to prevent mud slinging up from the tire in front of them. They can see over the top of their glasses forward. So therefore, my guess is they were doing more drafting and speed work and riding with other people than you. They were certainly doing more speed work. They certainly went fast. Yeah. Um, but so yeah. So anyway, I got rained on a little bit, but not that much. Was it, it daunting at all? It rained hard. The rain? Me? Yeah. Like knowing, because because the warning of how bad the mud is and people talking about walking ten mile sections. That isn't false. That has happened in 2015. That was the case that people were walking for miles at a time. So one guy told me, so we, we walked through the mud and there was a guy who had been doing it for a long time and said, he was like, I thought we, I thought we had all agreed to be done with this hike a bike thing. And he, he cited 2015. You walked your bike for 10 miles? I didn't do it in 2015. Thank God. Um, I've never done a super so muddy mud, one. The mud, I mean, the mud sucked. Yeah. Because it's, it's just a bummer to, I think it was mile 120 maybe. Yeah. And so we, the people I felt really bad for were the people on the tandem. Because the tandem, like, you can't carry it. Yeah. You can't push it. Yeah. I don't know what you do. You can't ride it because you fall over. Uh, so the mud on the tandem. But, yeah, so at yeah, mile 120, it was probably, it was an hour. It was two miles of walking. Really? Yeah. Dis. Because um, it's just a quagmire everywhere you see. So there was... I think there was barbed wire fence and I, I thought about jumping the fence and trying to walk through the field. Yeah. But I think the field was probably as or more wet. Mm-hmm. Um, I do wonder if it was more... So I asked Ian Boswell at the end, there were two mud sections. So there was the 120 and then at, and then at like 165 or something. Mm-hmm. And he said the the earlier one they rode, there, mm-hmm. was, a, there was a track... And the second one they had to walk, which I did. I walked the first one. I got to the second one, and there was a track ridden in. Mm -hmm. And some people were walking, some, but I just, I was like, I'm done walking. Because the thing with what, I feel like either you should pick your bike up and walk, and then your shoes are covered, or you should ride your bike, and then your bike is covered. But Mm -hmm. But walking, yeah, push, I mean, then everything is just muddy. But so I wonder if, Part of the reason that the mud gets so hard is that you're kind of uncomfortable. You think you're going to tip over? Yeah. Because there were definitely people that tipped over. 
And so then you walk and then everybody walks and then it's just this like wall to wall walked in. Cause once you walk in it, then there's not a track. Sure. And, um, but well, yeah, in general, the rule of thumb is the first group is going to go through fast and sort of speed away. And then it just ex- not exacerbates, but it, they then beat down the track in such a way that the, the, following riders are getting a more beat up course and then they're inevitably going to go slower. Well, so I think on the gravel, that's not true. So on the gravel, the gravel kind of works its way to the side. Yep. Although this Southern route, the gravel was different. I think it was rougher. Huh. I think it was bump. There was less. I felt like when last year, there were definitely those washout sections. Yep. What did I tell Jenny? I think if you, on a scale of one to 10, where 10 is like, just gnarly, slow, on your brakes. There was more 10 last year, uh-huh. but there was way more 6 to 8 this year, Huh? if that makes sense. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Um, where last year, there were a lot of sections that were just kind of like smooth, straight. You could just kind of go. Uh-huh. There was less of that this year uh-huh. until you got to the end. Uh, then the, the funniest part about the mud was, so we like walk through the mud, we get, um, get to the end, Kuat bike racks, I think had an amazing opportunity to say, here's a station to wash your bicycles or some type of thing to, but, uh, it was a throw closest to the pin disc golf thing. So we all got to the end of it and we were like, oh, there's a tent, maybe, (laughs) Oh, closest to the pin, win a bike rack. Like, okay, well, my tires don't turn. Yeah. But so then then there was a, a stream a, a little bit farther. So everybody got into the stream and were just chipping the mud off their bikes. And oh, some, somebody, somebody was like, make sure you don't get that on your bottles because this is all this is runoff from the neighboring fields. Yeah, this is Giardia stream. Um, yeah. How about temperatures? Yeah, it was. I was. Uh, I was actually almost cold. So I think. I think ha. the finish rate was a lot higher this year than last year. Yep. I definitely had less. I mean, I, I was less fit. We can get to that. But <laughs> I had less stomach issue. I mean, I felt. I just felt my legs were more tired. But otherwise, I felt like I just felt better. And, and there were definitely not the people lying in the ditch right. cr- screaming about cramps yep. that we had last year. But yeah, it was cool. It was like cool all day. The sun came out in the afternoon. It was a pleasant day for a ride. Yeah, what? I want to say, I mean, I forget the temperature last year. It was well into the 90s and humid as all get out and not a cloud in the sky. So everybody was just baking this year. I want to say the forecast was like mid-70s and probably even cooler than that. Yeah, it was mid-70s and there was a... The chance of rain came down throughout. I mean, if it had rained as if it had rained hard all day, that would have been miserable. That would have increased the attrition rate. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. and this year there were no. Last year there were some tree. There were some sections of trees this year. Which you just didn't nothing. have at all. Wow. It was. I mean, it was. It was gorgeous, honestly. So we went into the cattle pens. I think it's called. Okay. And I at the end of the. At the end of the race, there were two guys who were handing out water, I think, just before the last stop. 
And I, I said, what do you use these roads? I mean, it was just these um, incredible roads, mm-hmm. just double track through pasture land that was just range land, I guess you would call it. Yeah. No road, nothing in sight, just dub- for miles. Where last year I felt like it was much more on r- used roads mm-hmm. with houses and stuff. Where this year it was oh, interesting. really not that much. There's a lot of cattle grates. I don't know if we had any cattle grates last year. Um, Man, it is, it's funny how much of it blends together. Like, I can picture super brief snippets of the North Course and the South Course, but in my mind, it just sort of all blends together. So it's interesting to hear somebody who's so close to it in the aftermath four days later and having done one of each. Yeah, it was definitely... I, I was surprised at how different it was. So how about, um, yeah, it's hard to compare apples to apples, given the weather, given temperature, so on and so forth. How did your times compare? Any idea? So I was I was an hour faster, I think. This I year? Finished, I finished before 11. Yeah, but it was six miles shorter. Right. That's significant. It was six miles shorter. I didn't have a flat this year. Yep. I did have the mud. Yep. Um, it wasn't as hot. There was less vertical. Yep. And I think there was especially, honestly, I think... So my my la- I, my the, I felt best in the last twenty miles, mm-hmm. partly because there were there were no hills. Yeah, where last year I think there were hills to I think there were probably ten more miles of up and down. And it was miserable because yeah, remember last year someone's like, oh, it's all downhill after mile whatever yeah. one seventy five, and you're like, I mean there was some you. there was some of that. It it is it is funny being out on course and there's the rumors of. Because, again, after the last checkpoint, I was riding with a guy, and he was like, oh, this is definitely the last hill. Yeah. Like, I'm I'm sure this is – it was not the last hill. <laughs> yeah. And then, and then you're, you're – yeah, oh, there's there's another miles of mud at mile 170. Yeah. But none of us had any – I mean, we're all at mile playing a guessing 110, game. or, you know, we're right after the mud. Right. Where'd you playing, get your intel? Playing a guess. Windy? <laughs> Uh, so I had going into it, because last year we had a headwind, but when it got dark, I think the wind died down, but until it got dark, it was a headwind. It was a headwind for half the race. And so I was like, well, since we're going south, I mean, the law of large numbers must say that we're going to have a tailwind, right? Yes. Um, but there was a... It was it was sort of a crosswind, I think, of anything. There wasn't a section where you're like, I'm just riding straight into the teeth of it. Yeah. And it's brutal. Like, it, it, there was last year. So the wind, I would say the wind was maybe non-factor, which was good because last year, I feel like I really tried to to find wheels. I really tried to draft a lot more. Yeah. And this year I did a little bit, but... Not as much, partly because my legs were more tired, and so trying to match someone else's pace was just hopeless. Um, but part of it was because it was less windy, so it was... In my experience, the law of large numbers says the wind will not come out of the east, but it can come from the west, the north, or the south. And I've experienced all of those things. But not out of the east. But never out of the east. So, okay... We've danced around it. Let's talk fitness. Let's talk fitness. Let's talk about fitness. Uh, How did your fitness stack up this year to last? And then, as they say, unpack that. 
So I think, yeah, I mean, I had ridden quite a bit less this year. On account of? A few things. I mean, PD is, I don't know. PD was a little bit bigger. Part of it was probably I was less anxious about the race because I had finished (laughs) it once, which was not a very good idea. Although now I feel like I'm turning into this caricature of... Let's see how little you can prepare for Unbound. <laughs> you I didn't go, prepare last year. Wait till this year. Punish yourself. Um, we, I mean, I was a, I was busier. I, I had, I mean, this sounds funny, but I think there were f- five or six, seven warnings in the last couple months that I picked up loads of syrup. Uh-huh. So then, so I wasn't riding. So I was, you know, I had to go, which. If I ride half of those, that's, you know, 30% more training than I did. (laughs) Um, We had more sports stuff on the weekends. The kids are a little bit older, so there's just more directions that everybody's going in. Um, Yeah, just, does you know. Given that you can count the number of training days on two hands, or maybe three hands. Two. Two? Two, I think, yeah. Um, is your training consistent? Meaning, if you're going to ride, does it mean you're up at 6 a.m. going for a bike ride with PD, or is it all over the place? It's totally inconsistent. It's okay. totally inconsistent. Okay. Um, yeah, there were a couple, couple morning rides. Two, I rode to Charlie had a baseball game in St. Albans. So I biked up there. That helped. I did. Jenny had a conference in Nashville. Yep. Um, That's got to be your biggest training day. That was my biggest training day. Yes. That from, um, yeah, Cumberland Transit. Gentleman loaned me a, a bike. It was awesome. And that, so my theory there was I need to, I got to, I got to make it hurt. I need, I feel like I need to make it hurt one day before I go. Yeah. And so I rode away from Nashville until I was like, okay, I'm tired. I'm, I had had a little bit of a stomach issue. And then, all right, Jenny's in conference. I have to get myself back. <laughs> so then I kind of suffered for a couple hours to get back. How, how far was that? You ride a century? No. No. I, I, I had gone into it. I had gone into it thinking, yeah, I'll, I'll go today. It's two weeks before the, two weeks before I'm bound. I'll ride a century. And that'll be good training. And I think I rode, I think I rode for six hours in my, maybe five hours. In my mind, I thought, oh, I've for sure gone 60 or 70 miles. Uh-huh. I bet I went 50, partly because some a reasonable amount of that five hours was me sitting in a gas station feeling sorry for myself. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. Um, <laughs> Well, on the on the Natchez Trace, yeah, it was pretty. Reason to go back to Nashville. Reason to go back to Nashville. By comparison, correct me if I'm wrong. I think your longest ride last year was the day before Unbound when you rode fifty-ish miles. Do you? No, we didn't, didn't do it. It wasn't the day before. I think it was two or three days. That would have. It been, was not three. It was. That would have been two totally then. asinine. Well, that's what I. It that that is what makes the story so good. Yeah. I think I was going for a quick spin. Tim, yeah, we your brother, 
Um, and you it, went for a bike ride and you came over. You're like, well, that was the longest training ride I've done of the year. Yeah. Yeah, it was. It was not more than two days before. It was. I did go to Kansas for a week before right. with Jenny's family. So I rode, I think I, I rode a 40-mile ride. I rode a 30-mile ride. And I bet I rode a couple 15-ish. So I was on my bike for four days before. Um, that was certainly one of the questions I was going to ask. It was... What is it like to do at least 50% of your quality training, so to speak, the final week before the ride? I mean, the, so training is a funny thing, right? Training is a funny you're, word. you're a professional cyclist, so you train for things, and then you go out and you have some sort of thing that you need to accomplish. For the rest of us, or for me at least, I guess... You just try to live an active lifestyle as much as you can, and then, and then you sign yourself up for this ridiculous thing. Um, which the the thing I like this year, I feel like last year, I feel like last year I could have I could have quit, and nobody, not that anybody would judge me, but everybody would have said, you tried hard, you you took something on that was challenging, and you gave it your best shot, and you made it however far. This year, there was, I feel like it, there was less of that. And maybe it was just my own perspective. But this year, it was sort of, all right, a lot of people have done a lot. Like, um, I mean, Tim, Doug, and Michael stayed an extra day, which uh -huh. they did last year, too. But again, last year was sort of more, we're, you know, we're pulling for you. But those guys took a day out of their lives to stay. Jenny came home with the kids. She had a you know, managed kids all week by herself. They were, they had on, on Saturday, Sydney had a dance recital. The boys had a baseball. Th I mean, it was just sort of just craziness all day. And so I felt like, all right, man, you got to, you can't come out here and not finish this thing because I mean, you again took care of me with so much stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, which is great. So then you get into it, and, and quitting is much less of an option than it otherwise would be, honestly. So you just sort of go out. So anyway, in terms of training, it's, it's less – you just kind of ride your bike, and then, and then you need to go ride your bike a little bit more. <laughs> and so there's just less of this deliberate, like, I'm going to – I mean, I did. I rode with a guy for a little while who was like, "Yeah, I, I think I just didn't taper enough." He was he was hurting. I've been riding 300 miles a week, and I was like, oh "My God, <laughs> I wish." I mean, someday I'm sure I'll be in a, a sort of life place where I can ride 300 miles a week, and I hope I do. Uh huh. This is not that time. How how do you judge your pace then? To go into it with the, the mindset of, well, I'm going to finish this thing, gosh darn it, but you don't want to be in this period of saying, well, shoot, I didn't taper enough. How do you, look, like, judge how hard you go out? Yeah, do you think, does it ever cross your mind you're going to get to the point at, like, mile 150, call it, just saying you're done with the majority of the event and you literally feel like you cannot pedal another pedal stroke or does that just not even enter your realm of consciousness? Well, no, so it does. So, so yeah, so this year, um, so this year, it was it was similar, although for a different reason. So you start out thinking, 
yeah, you know, I got I got a long day ahead of me. I need to I need to go out and ride. The beginning of it was a lot different this year, honestly. Last year I felt like I don't know if there were more people or I started in a different group or maybe it wasn't as hot, so everyone was going harder at the beginning. That's the rumor. Is it started way faster? Oh yeah, that would make sense because everybody was kind of bunched together. It just felt a lot sort of um, twitchier. Like mm-hmm. like I was surprised that there were not there wasn't a big crash of. I haven't seen it. Laura said there was a you know where you're going like from town. You go south. You turn right, and then yeah. basically the gravel starts. Yeah. Uh, that's I'm making up a number two miles into the race. Yeah. And she said she saw a hilarious photo with, like, the entire peloton, so to speak. So just, I don't know, a ton of people had all crashed there. So there were a couple... I didn't crash, but there were a few um, puddles. Yeah. And so we were... It was close, because you'd be going along, and then people would stop. Yeah. And then by the time it gets to you, you're, like, locking your brakes up. Crazy bottleneck. Just because it necked down a little bit. So, yeah, I can picture where that would have happened. Which I think has everything to do with the course. Meaning, last year the first call it gnarly section didn't happen for I think twenty five miles in, whereas yeah. if it happens at mile two, then of and course everybody's on out. edge. Yeah. Well, and there was no rain last year, so yeah. last year it was dusty, but there weren't those puddles. Where so the funny thing about the puddles is at the beginning of the race, I mean we're like cats, you're picking your way around these puddles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where <laughs> by the end of the thing, you're just like, oh thank God, there's a puddle. I'm so muddy. I'm gonna ride straight <laughs> through the puddle, and hopefully my derailleur will work again. Yeah. Oh, Lord. But I do. I have a product idea. Nice. I think that whether it's on the rear caliper or somewhere on the bike, I think you could put a, a, a brake light that is a variable intensity brake light based on the pressure in your, your brake line. Maybe such a product exists, but... I've never seen it, but there have been plenty of times I've thought that brake lights would be very smart. Because you could do it and and you could even vary the intensity, I think, based on the pressure. Instead of just shouting, stopping, stopping. Um, <laughs> that's a great segue to the hardware side of things. The the Cannondale slate that you rode has now seen 800 miles of Kansas Flint Hills. Things a machine. I've ridden it twice. You've ridden it twice. Fun fun fact about the lefty. Lay it on me. It does not jam up with mud. Accurate. The Accurate. rear the rear wheel jams up with mud, but the front wheel continues to spin no matter how much mud is attached to the tires. Which is excellent because your front wheel is the one that does the majority of your stopping power. And so if you're just you're just scrubbing speed with the rear one, that doesn't Exactly, spin. yeah. I, I discovered that not while riding, but while <laughs> pushing my bike through the mud. To a stream to Giardia Creek. Uh, how what do you got? Bike works great. You're on the similar tires. The the, I mean, yeah. So as I as I sort of thought about what what gets you to the finish. I mean, one is no mechanicals. Yeah, and I I'm still, I mean, one those tires, um, just un un unbelievable. There were a lot of people that had flats, and I feel like I hit a bunch of stuff pretty hard. I hit one rock super hard with four or five miles to go. Um. But nothing. So I think, I mean, I just think a mechanical would really take the wind out of your sails. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the bike, I mean, the shock is really nice. I think the shock for me. You leave that open the whole time? I left it open the whole time. I started. as well. I started with it 
closed, I think, and I was gonna sort of go back and forth. And then, cause the, the thing that happens is you're riding, if you're riding behind somebody and you just crash and like, you don't know when you're gonna sort of want a little bit of travel. Mm -hmm. And so just leave it open, whatever. I, the efficiency loss when I'm, the efficiency loss by having the shock open when I'm walking up a hill is very <laughs> low. <laughs> uh -huh. um, uh, I did at the end, so the, so we hit mud and then the guys washed, cleaned the bike super efficiently. And then we went 10 miles before the last, after the last, uh, rest up and hit mud again um and then and then the the rear the derailleur started acting funky and i i would get into the top gears and it wouldn't go back down hmm. and then it would go back down and then i went back up and then i last year i was riding after unbound and the derailleur sucked into the rear wheel and broke a spoke and broke the chain and broke the derailleur and so i was so then i didn't go i stayed in the sort of mid to lower range in the back so i did so then i and i was sort of walking many of the hills anyway and then i because I, I figured that was going to be the thing that killed me although tim made the point that had everything in the back totally blown apart i did have a chain tool so i could have made it a fixie <laughs> For a single speed, oh, not man. a fixie. That would have been entertaining. <laughs> so uh, then, so then we just yeah. Which what, what gear would you pick if you're if you're? I think you basically pick the the middle one. Well, no, I was gonna say you pick the length of the chain, what a chain allows. But if you're only gonna break it in one spot, you could basically choose anything. Yeah, yeah, I'd go with the middle. Although Did you the, recognize this, or would that be the kind of thing like if you're standing next to your bike? And you've seen that you just torn the derailleur off. That would be yeah. pretty demoralizing. That would be. There was a guy who there. I we I went by a guy, I think just before the mud section or just after. Who and so that was sort of what made me think about it. He had broken his derailleur and was done and bummed. My that would be pretty. That would be a big bummer. I think it was my first. At this point, the race was called DK. And there was a deluge overnight. The forecast was perfectly dry. No one ever saw it coming. And the storm just came through. And there was a river going through town for, you know, 15 minutes. And this was going the southern course. And so we did the same thing. Go two miles south, turn right. And the race basically starts there. And I heard dozens of stories of people who their race was done at mile two because they tore their derailleur off at that point. And then you're completely up a creek. Probably a different story if it happens at, at mile 180. At mile two, if I tore my derailleur off, I don't think I would right. ride single speed the whole way. Although that would no. be a pretty good story. But no, I don't know that I would have had the press. So Tim pointed it out, and I thought, oh, yeah, that would make sense. I don't know that I would have. I wonder what I would have done. Whose chain tool do you have? I have no idea. I mean, this is like my equipment thing out there. I mean, the equipment thing, Ted, is the whole preparation I feel very privileged that because we're involved in the event, we have these entries. And so it is a little bit less of an investment for me. So I can go into it and say, well, you know, this is, I didn't have to win the lottery to be able to do it. Let's qualify so, that. As a sponsor or right. as an expo vendor, we get spots. You still have to pay for an entry fee. You still have to pay for an entry fee, yeah. But right, right you didn't absolutely. have to earn it or win the lottery. I didn't have to earn it or win the lottery. Which, how do you earn it? 
Uh, I don't know. I'm confusing stories. No, it's it, that's a Leadville thing, which is now owned by Lifetime. But uh, so no, play the lottery. I mean, I would think that whatever needs to be earned, I've really earned. <laughs> you earned it big time. Okay, so there um, you are with your privileged place so, on the start line. So I feel like that affords me the luxury of not really preparing in some <laughs> ways, and both physically, like we've talked about. Um, but then equipment-wise, I mean, I just feel so lucky that you're getting me set up. Tim's getting me set up. I mean, I, you know, like, I didn't have a light. I didn't have a Garmin. You had gotten me a Garmin last year. And at 3 o'clock in the morning, my flight was at 5.30 to leave. I was like, surely I can find this thing. Like, how do I not? But I didn't, I didn't ride with it all year. Uh, so, and Which- your, your Garmin... Your Garmin, there were two things that were, well, three things, a few things about it. Okay. First, it had the pitch, your slope, which was not on my other one. Oh, interesting. The gradient? The gradient. Okay. I was curious, did, is the, I, I, all day I was trying to figure out, is the gradient based on how the thing was mounted? So... Is it telling me it's a little bit steeper than it is because it's mounted a little bit differently on my bike than Ted's bike, or is it a map-based thing? It is a GPS map-based. Uh, I think it's looking at rise over run as opposed to pitch. Um, That's a very interesting point. But furthermore, it, when when weather is really bad and it gets gummed up with water or especially mud, then it can be completely inaccurate. Like it might say you're going down a negative two percent grade when you know you're going up a ten percent hill. That that I don't know seems if it ever, like it didn't okay. happen. Good. Again, when I was walking up the hills, I didn't check it quite yeah. carefully. Um, it didn't give me the five. The other one I had to set on this five-mile thing last year. Like a beeper? Yeah, so every five miles it would go boop-boop. Yeah. And so I, I didn't that have an that. Yeah, that, I mean, seemed, so it was just this uh, this thing to get used to, which was, was funny because when you're riding along. And in the middle section, I got to the point where I said, all right, I got to... I'm going to get 10 miles. Oh, so pace. I was going to give you that. So by mile 90, I said, I'm going to make it to mile 100. So one, I'm going to get halfway, period. No matter what, I have to get there. And what I'm going to do is I I kind of need to pee, but I'm going to wait to get off my bike to mile 100. Mm -hmm. And so then then you're riding along, you're, you're mile 90, and you're like, surely I've gone. I've, I've probably gone a mile, but... I bet it, maybe it's only been a half mile. Mm-hmm. So, so I'll go a little bit longer, then I'll look down, and then it'll for sure be a mile. Because it's probably only, you know, maybe for half. And then you look down, and you're like, wait a minute. 0.12 miles. Damn it. <laughs> oh, man. So, so the absence, I don't know that the absence of the beep beep made me look down more, but I definitely feel like I was doing a little bit more of the... Come on, I've definitely gone farther than this thing is telling me. But so then I got into this. I'm gonna I'm gonna make it ten miles, then I'm gonna go another ten miles, and then and then you're thinking about it not as I have to ride another hundred miles, but oh I just need to ride ten of ten those. mile segments. That's doable. Um, and Jenny was at a baseball game with Mickey, and so I said, Alright, I'm gonna ride ten miles and then I'm gonna stop, get off the bike, and I'll text Jenny and you know, find out how Mickey did or so you give yourself this little reward. But what was fascinating about that, so I feel like mile 80 to 110, I was really questioning whether I was going to be able to get there. 
which was the same as last year. And I just said, my legs are so tired. I, I, don't, I don't know. Am I going to be able to keep turning it over? And then I got to 120. And so that's so you're doing these 10-mile segments. And pretty soon you're like, well, I'm not going to stop. I'm just going to keep going. Yeah. And then I got to 120 and I started to really think, I think I'm maybe going to get there. I took a couple Advil too, which I hadn't done last year. I bet that's supremely valuable. You that must be re- so swollen and beat it's up. the joint. Just... Yeah, because my, my Achilles were really sore. Yeah. And you're I'm stretching it. But so then I took the Advil. So the combination of the Advil and then just, I think, I think I can do it. All right. And then all of a sudden you totally change your frame of reference from how am I going to get far enough to sort of preserve what's left of my pride to, all right, well, just keep going. Yeah. Um, and that was that was a really interesting for me that when you make that change, it becomes much more viable. You just decide you're going to get there. Um, the whole passage of time is so fascinating because I mean, a day can fly by. Like, what was your what was your total ride time, ish? So I think I I think the ride time was 15 hours, but I was out there for 17 because yeah. I finished at 11. The point is, like, a day can go by, and you're like, what on earth happened today? Like, so that was quick. That was 17 hours. Right. A day of of grinding it out. Yeah. Passes. Every, every point one two miles feels like 10 miles. Every minute feels like an hour. It's so fascinating how, it, like, it's, it is what your mind is in tune to, which is the next question. Like, are you thinking of... You just talked about a handful of things that you're thinking of, these calculations and so on and so forth, and the privilege of being out there. Do you ever shut off your mind? Or where does your mind go? Or you talking to a lot of people? I talked to a lot of people. I thought that was really fun. I did so I brought headphones with me Mm -hmm. because that was one of my strategies this year was I didn't listen to anything last year and I thought although I I think headphones are you're not supposed to use headphones. Uh, I don't know the actual rules of unbound. In many events, it's frowned upon, but let's yeah. say so you don't have somebody yelling at you, I'm going to pass you on your left, and right. you don't hear it. Right. Um, so I brought headphones, and I actually downloaded a few podcasts, and, and I was thinking, ah, you know, I'll, and when, when it starts to hurt, I'll just listen to podcasts, and then, uh-huh. I'll, and then that'll, that'll get me there. And I didn't end up listening to anything this year, partly just because it was setting it up, and partly because, I don't know, you're just kind of in it, yeah. and riding, and thinking about... Calculating how much training you've done, <laughs> um, thinking thinking about how you would design this brake light system. <laughs> um, Good things to be thinking about. How about are you consciously but, thinking of nutrition? So nutrition. So we should get back to how many people I talk to. But oh, yes. we'll, please but do nutrition. So I think Ted. I think I had almost a half gallon of syrup during the what? course of the day. That's 60. So I think I had, I think I had at least 40 packets of mostly cocoa and salted raspberry, almost exclusively salted cocoa and salted raspberry. And then I bet I had another 20 packets of drink mix over the course of the day. I had a couple waffles. Literally a half gallon. That's 60 ounces. A half gallon, 64 ounces. It was what? (laughs) That was basically what I ate all day was syrup. Um, I had I'd made a couple peanut butter waffle cookies, but then I, I at the beginning my stomach was kind of 
And I was wondering if it was just because I haven't eaten very much peanut butter, and so then it didn't love the peanut butter. So I kind of stopped eating Meaning those. you put peanut butter between waffles and called it a sandwich? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, which I had done last year. Yeah. And then I had a couple waffles. And then I had, at the first stop, I had, Douglas had gotten a baked potato. Nice. So I ate a little bit of a baked potato. I had probably half a baked potato. And, but I was paranoid because last year I had a mango and salt tabs at the first rest stop and felt atrocious afterwards. And so I was really paranoid about feeling like that. But I think it was, a lot of it was the heat. You ate an actual mango or mango flavored salt tablets? No, I ate an actual mango. <laughs> I didn't tell you that. They had so. seemed so good. I got there and I was like, oh, no way, mango. And I just ate the mango. And I think I blamed my feeling on the salt tablets, but I do suspect that a lot of it was the, I don't know what, I don't know what's in the mango. It is a lot of what you are, you know, they talk about training your nutrition, like yeah. get used to what you're going to be consuming. So, uh, yeah, you're not one to down salt tablets with regularity. So, but this year, so I had a little bit of, so probably half a big potato. Douglas finally took it away from me because I think he thought, he was worried I was just going to chow like, this big potato. Interestingly, Douglas talked to Jenny after the first stop and he said, Roger looks way worse than he looked last year. <laughs> Which I felt worse. Good race report. I felt worse, but I tried to sort of act. Yeah. I didn't want those guys to think that I looked worse, so I tried to act a little bit more peppy, but it seems like I didn't. I failed. And then I had some french fries and a couple onion rings at the last one. But other than that, Ted, I ate syrup all day long. I am surprised. That's amazing. That I'm, su- I'm surprised that you could go... A whole day like that. I felt my best 20 miles were the last. I mean, I, I was act, I was like, I don't know, I have no idea where I finished, but I was, fa- I, I got past, I started 16 hour, at the 16 hour group, I got past all day, and then the last hour and a half, I, I passed people kind of that time. I did, so I thought about the salt, because my legs were hurting, and I thought, ah, oh, shoot, do I not have, did I not get enough sodium? Um, so, <laughs> so at the second, so the water stops were 40 miles and then there was, a, so it was like every 40 miles there was a stop where last year it was. There's one just smack in the middle. There were two. So oh, last okay. year we went 80 miles to the first. Pit. Pit. And then it was like 20 miles water, 20 miles water, 20 miles pit, mm-hmm. 50, you know, whatever the yep. remainder. Um, so at the second water stop. I had kind of convinced myself that I'd made this catastrophic mistake of not having enough sodium. I had partly been just taking the salted raspberry and salted cocoa to make up for that. Mm-hmm. But so then I took four ginger mapleade packets and put them in a bottle and drank that while I was sitting at the rest stop. Good move. Um, so that is four of our drink mixes. Yeah. Which traditionally you say put two in a bottle. Yeah, so You're basically doubled, doubling up. Doubled that. And it was a, it was the liquid? Yeah, yeah. The liquid. The liquid's I think so the liquid's good. awesome. It's so mm-hmm. good. It doesn't you you get everything. There's no oh the sediment. Yeah. We didn't get the sediment. Um did the liquid was great. Did you uh what? And then you just slowly come out of a little bit of hole? I mean like Cramping is such an interesting thing. So you never had any searing knife in the leg cramp pain. I had I had one. <laughs> at at the end, I had gotten off my bike to walk, and then I 
lifted my leg over this the bar to get back on and i had a like uh, oh but then God. i just kind of kept i mm-hmm. it, it went away and i just kept riding but that i was i was thought uh-oh but no it was more just being just being kind of tired so i don't know if sodium helps you with that it cramping is so fascinating because mm, through all of the studies no one knows what cramping is caused by they talk about electrolyte deficient. Cramping is caused by like magnesium. There's talk of that. But fitness is a whatever. big thing. How yeah. much you're training is a big part of it. Yeah. It's like it's not dehydration. Yeah, it's not a single thing. Or why do they talk about the shock to the brain, which is why you have those hot shots, which is supposed uh, to be this like cayenne punch to the face. And interestingly, people have said that about our ginger. They're like, it works like a hot shot. It gets rid of my cramps. Yeah. Beats the heck out of me. Uh so. Fascinating. The people. Okay. We the gotta people talk about people. The people you meet. So two two things I'll say. One, it was interesting being out there with you not being there mm. and sort of almost being, you know, I felt like the three of us, um, or the the four of us, the on behalf of Untapped. On behalf of Untapped. Yeah. Were your representatives a little bit, and so there were there were a lot of people out there that care a lot about you. There That's were a tremendous kind. number of people who were asking about whether the baby was born yet, who was here, what was going on. So that was that was really special. Um, That's neat to to sort of sense that a little bit. Uh, yeah, how much that community really cares about you. Um, you should bring a whiteboard that says "baby's not born yet" and then just point at the sign yeah. and someone says, "How's Ted?" Ted is trimming his hedges. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> um, we had our we had our Ted cut out. That was, that was pretty funny. <laughs> that was, that wasn't even eleventh hour. That was six a.m. hour. That the picture that we didn't really tell anybody, but the picture of you in the cutout was taken <laughs> hours before the cutout was put up in our booth, and people started taking pictures with it. If that, I took that picture, and I want to say ninety minutes later, I was having we people texting themselves at the paper store. Yep, that turned um, out well. Which yeah, that was who knew. Ryan, uh, I can't remember his last name, but there's like a print shop and this awesome print shop in Emporia. Um, so that's neat. Appreciate it. So, so that's neat. The other thing that was fun, and I'll, I'll say it was fun, there were a, a decent number of people who knew who I was based on either your your Instagram post or our podcast from last year. Um which was fun. It was fun totally. talking to people. It's fun. I mean, it was it was really funny to, um, I mean, m- most. <laughs> so there were during the expo there were there were a couple folks who who came up. Uh, two two guys in particular who um, I ended up riding with for a little bit on on Saturday for a while. From they were ER. One was an ER doc. Another one was an ER nurse. They were hilarious. Uh-huh. caricatures of ER people. Um, <laughs> I love you guys. <laughs> uh, but I like I, I, I lined up at the beginning and the guy next to me looks over. He was like, oh, yeah, untapped. Oh, oh wait, are you the... And I mean, the thing, the thing that it's going through my mind, are you the idiot that's here without training? Yeah, yes, I'm the, I'm the guy. Um, yeah, so I bet that happened six or seven times during the day where people are riding along and, oh, are you that, are you that, yes, I'm, 
I'm that guy. Was it one of those two individuals who I sent the video of you to? Where you're at a pit stop, you're leaning back, it looks like you're in a oh, lounge yeah. chair and yeah. someone's changing your shoes yeah, yeah. So and you're like, those. this is living. So it was those guys who, well, and partly because they had, they had had somebody, they had, somebody was going to come and, and crew for them, but then couldn't do it at the last minute. Yeah. And so then they ended up, there's a bike shop out there that, that crew, so there, there's the like crew that the race provides, but then there's a bike shop. Yeah, not familiar how that works, but so then, most certainly you want crew. So they came by, yeah, and so Doug was changing my shoes and socks. Um, <laughs> yeah, Doug was changing my shoes and socks because we both have the same shoes because they're your old shoes. Uh, and they were caked with mud. And so they rode by and I said, oh, did your, your crew for hired and this wasn't part of the service that they provided? Give you a mid, mid-race foot rub. Um, and so then, Jen, yeah, Jenny was on the phone at that time. She was like, you gotta go out and ride with them. You gotta catch up to them. And I said, no, if I try to keep, if I try, those guys were fit and skinny. and They're humming. Had a speaker going with like Miley Cyrus or something or Madonna. Uh, did you meet, you met three-time world champion, uh, Gravel that was, newbie. That was, um... Peter Sagan. I, I felt like that was one of the neat things about Gravel, honestly. So I'm, so I'm grinding along, um, mile 35. It was right before the water stop. So I'm just chugging along in the left lane. I'd been talking to somebody for a while... And uh, somebody sort of comes up next to me. And this was, I mean, it was just kind of bottomless little gravelly rock thing next to me. Yeah. And so it would happen that somebody would have had a flat tire or maybe woke up late. And <laughs> and you want to look over and be like, dude, just chill out. We're all going to get there. I, I understand that you're faster than me, but maybe like I'll move over. Do you really need to be doing this? So that's what flashes through your head the moment this this thing goes by you going twice as fast maybe i don't know a foot to 18 inches off your elbow <laughs> and then i was like oh no that's second because he was doing the hundred <laughs> and he started an hour after us it was and it so it was funny so there's Sagan, and he had i think he had one guy from his yeah, team i think his them. buddy daniel oss was there is my so, guess so there were a few and it seemed like the farther back so there were a line of probably 30 people that were seemingly desperately trying to hold on and the the professionalists of the jerseys decreased as you went back in the line, <laughs> which was funny. Um, so I think that's what's really cool about gravel. So he, I mean, it was it was impressive, and he must have been just riding in this gravel the whole way because mm-hmm. there's double track of jamokes like me riding along. I don't, I assume Peter is not used to riding by not three time world champions such as myself yeah but then i i did uh i introduced myself at the water stop i felt a little sheepish but i said i was your business partner and he said to say hello he's a man of the people which you think is why he was doing it i mean he was trying to ride quickly but it's cool that he's trying to repair a tough year and he's out in utah and therefore go for a quick trip to kansas and is he having a rough year I feel like he's uh he's not winning with as much ease ease as he once has. Getting old, Peter. Exactly. Exactly. Um, well, that's rad. Well, he definitely, yeah. He's, I mean, I, I was actually surprised he stopped at the water stop. 
because I I thought that they would have just gone right through, which I think the group that he was with maybe did. Do you think he was the first of the hundreds? Yeah, yeah, he was definitely the first of that. Of I mean, the that would make sense. But then I think he stopped, and they kept going because I yeah. don't think he he didn't end up winning the. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I, I I feel like that's what's. I don't know. I feel like that's what's kind of neat about the the attitude of it. And like, I mean, Ian Boswell was at the finish when I at eleven when I finished talking to people. That's what I was going to ask. Like, yeah, you talk about that. What's cool about the gravel is you got three-time world champ Peter Sagan. You got world tour pro turned gentleman farmer Ian Boswell. Firefighter. Firefighter. Co-firefighter with with Roger Brown here. Uh it is this melting pot. And then that's fast forward to exactly what you're about to talk about. Like, I love Commercial Street at the finish. It is a festival, it is a town fair, it is a party, it's, it's a whole lot of beer and hanging out. What is your, what, 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 what happens at 11 o'clock for you when you finish? I was, you like? I was pretty ready to be at the finish. Yeah. Um, the thing that I noticed this year that I had noticed last year, so they have those spotlights but then you get, just like from town. Yeah, from town. So you see them, but then you're doing this like yeah. maze because I think either either it's deliberate to sort of tempt people with seeing the lights, or you got to get to 200 miles. So you're going north two miles, <laughs> east two miles, north two miles, west two miles, north two miles, <laughs> back, and just this like grid search pattern. Um, and just think, they could have done an extra four miles of that because they, could have, they only did 196 they done, miles. Wait, did we only do 196? Isn't that what you told me? I know you didn't do 200. No, I think I did do 200. Oh. Well, congratulations, kid. I think most so of my them, com- <laughs> Did you go off course? <laughs> I just went straight. I just stopped doing the, the mouse <laughs> looking for cheese. Um, my computer said 198. That was, again, when you're at mile... <laughs> 97 it doesn't really matter if you're off but by the time you're really hunting for the finish if your computer says 195 are you three miles from the finish or five miles from the finish yeah but but so yeah we rolled in and it's it's fun i mean that's what's neat about the event is it's not just going out and riding to they they do a good job with it it's it's um i mean the people of emporia are out and cheering all the way like at 11 o'clock at night the it's cool yeah i mean you ride down this finish shoot i don't ride down any other finish shoots <laughs> it's not something that i've ever done in my life and um i was a little bit early so i think the beer shuts down at midnight ah nice. so last year i didn't get a beer this year i got a beer good um they had they had doug and tim had brought the cutout Excellent. with them which <laughs> doug made the point that you can't even walk down a street in an Emporia with a cutout of Ted. Without getting... <laughs> Let alone with Ted. Annoyed. Um, but yeah, and then, and then you're talking. I mean, it's fun, too, because there's people that you've been riding with all day um, that are finishing, and so you talk to them. Uh, it's it's a it's a fun atmosphere. I mean, because that whole little community that you build out on the out on the road, and you're kind of high fiving people because they're psyched. You're um, one of the, the guy the guy who I'd actually lined up next to at the start. I noted how much I appreciated the shape of his um, sort of 
hips because I had followed them for so long <laughs> during the day. Just wondering where you're going with that. Okay, okay. Right, I mean, it's funny stuff like that where you just spend all day staring at somebody's butt uh, you get to the finish and in a, a more normal conversation you realize how ridiculous that sounds. Yeah. But that's what I did for 25 miles during the day was stare at this guy's butt. So then it seems like less of an inappropriate thing to say makes total sense <laughs> so it's also interesting because this is taking place at 11 p.m central time and that's midnight east coast time and you have a dance recital some uh 17 hours later to get to in vermont so you probably didn't sleep much yeah, that so night. Part of, so part of the program was Sydney had her dance, her ballet recital that she'd been working on all spring was dress rehearsal Friday, performance Saturday, performance Sunday. So part of, I mean, I think Jenny would have supported me, but she definitely wanted me to, to get home. And I, I wanted to see it, honestly. Mm-hmm. And I was, I was going to be really bummed. So, and she had a gymnastics banquet that night so yeah i shouldn't have said it wasn't because jenny wanted it was because i wanted to get to the um recital for sure jenny good answer note that um but so (laughs) so there was a flight there was a 5 30 flight out of kansas city that would have gotten me in at noon that's really we talked about it and realized that was insane um so then there was an eight o'clock flight. So we got, so Michael and I, so I went to bed at 12.30 probably, woke up at four. Oh my God. And got, we were driving at 4.30, met my parents-in-law at the airport at just before seven with Petey, got on the plane and then had this very, it, when you're flying with kids and you're kind of fading in and out of sleep and the mm-hmm. kids are not, it's this very odd experience of the, yeah, it's a, it, I don't know what tripping is like, but I suspect it's a little bit like that, <laughs> where you're like, what, what reality am I living in here? Yeah. Um, but, and so then made it for the, I, I was in my seat at the beginning of the show, uh, which was amazing. They, they all did a, an incredible job. The, the, the um, dance studio here in Richmond called Arabesque. Say it again, you landed at what time? Two. I mean, just before two. Perfect. Yeah. Frick, you could go home and take a nap if Got you didn't to the have. Gigi, my mom had driven a car, my car to the airport and walked back to the office to pick up her car, which <laughs> was a big walk. Um, That's so impressive. So, yeah. Yeah, made it on time. <laughs> but Michael drove. I mean, I, I there's no way I could have done that if I had. Yeah. Been driving. Um, but yeah, and then right back into the swing of it. No rest for the weary. Off, off we went. Uh, Which, well, so so the other thing that that helped was, because I, I was a little bit stressed going into it. I was like, God, if I quit at one o'clock in the afternoon, then like this whole, this whole plan of driving and I'm going to be I'm going to be sitting in Emporia waiting to drive to my flight and I'm just going to feel like an idiot that I'm going to you know and I'm going to get on this flight it'll probably be late I'll miss the I'll miss the recital anyway <laughs> even though so you know I I really need to finish this thing cuz otherwise all of this is for naught which is good 
good to have a reason to get there. So it's not as though you finished last year and said, one year from now, I'm doing it again. Like, that is to say, we as as vendors have yeah. one or maybe a few spots. And it, throughout the spring, there was a thought that, that our coworker Tim would do it, who is a, let's say, more accomplished cyclist than you. Doesn't take much. Um, that said, Tim is more accomplished. And... And, you know, Tim's like, eh, yeah, okay, maybe I'll do it. And then at some point or another, you say, no, I'm going to do it. Uh, well, Tim Tim was going to do Gravel Locos, but there was a question about um, creamy, doing, doing yes. the creamies at the finish and whether there was going to be enough people. Um, so I do think Tim felt obligations to kind of professional obligations in terms of working. Good man, Tim. But, um, but I didn't realize that. But yeah, I mean, at the end of the race, there we thought maybe Doug was gonna do it. Doug's Doug's knee is pretty bad, so we got to get that straightened out. But yeah, it's sort of. And I said I'll, I'll do. I'm happy to do it again. I'll do it again. Um, and then yeah, it seemed like the music stopped. I guess. And again, everyone. I mean, it's not just me wanting to do it, but it's everyone sacrificing the time and uh, to allow me to do it. So then the bigger overarching question, here we are, four days post-event. Are you chasing the 1,000-mile club? <laughs> are you going to do the 350? I, mean, I don't think... I don't... So I, th that's actually really... In, I'm, I'm curious to hear your thoughts on this. So mm -hmm. I feel... So to answer your question, yeah, I would... Again, I would do it next year. I thought it was, I thought it was really fun. And, and yeah, there's, there's going to be a couple hours that suck where you spend a little bit of time questioning why you're, you made some of the decisions you made. and But whatever, you get through that and you get to the finish. And yeah, then there's parts of the day where you're saying, why did I agree to do this again? Mm -hmm. But I wonder, so no, I don't, I don't think physically I could do the 350. But that said, if you, if you look, if you sort of thought about how much I had ridden my bike, by rights, you would say, I, there's no way you can do the 200. So I don't under, I, it, it, is, it is interesting to me how much that sort of mental state allows you to, to, do, a di to do something. Um, and so I just, I don't, I don't I, I, no, I don't think I'm gonna do the 350. I don't, I don't think that's like a viable thing. But I do, I am fascinated that I am able to, get to 200 miles and if what i had to do was get to 350 miles i do wonder if that's just something that you go out and do and that you just have to be in the mental space to do it and the right. physical part of it is a little bit less important than just knowing that's what i'm gonna do i mean it reminds me of becoming exhausted by walking right like you're going at a pace that is seemingly sustainable at some point, if you walked indefinitely, it's going to start hurting. You'll probably start cramping. You'll probably start sitting down at times and taking rests. But it's almost like you're... Or maybe... I don't know. At what point do you hit a complete wall and say, I cannot walk any further? I cannot pedal my bike any further? So here's my theory. Do you know what I mean? I do think you hit that wall far past the point of where you... 
physically I think I think that wall is past where you think it is, if that makes yeah. sense. I do I remember um Bodie Miller had this really cool philosophy, I thought, which was we spend a lot of time training what we know our our, our sort of physical bounds. So mm-hmm. skiing, for example. The the example that I thought about was or that, that he sort of showed was we would do these squats, um, eccentric squats, and then you would jump over hurdles. There's like so you do six squats and then jump over six hurdles. And then and so I was I was landing and skipping each hurdle. So you would land and then reset and then jump again. And somebody said, well why don't you just don't skip? Just land and do it. Then you and you can do it. Mm-hmm. And, and so it was interesting to me that you, there is a part of your brain that calibrates what it is that you, that your brain thinks it can do. And Bodhi's point was, and so what Bodhi said, he said, there's this, this ski race in Solden. So he said, what I would do in Solden, and so there's a, some flat gates and then it breaks over to GS. And Bodhi said, you would go, there's a, you, you would see the tracks, like you're running I was never running. I'd never raced Solden, but right, he'd be running seven or eight, and you see where the tracks are going into this gate that's breaking over the pitch. Mm-hmm. And I'm just going to go inside of those tracks, and your brain is saying, "No, no, no! Like you cannot make this turn. This is not a makeable turn." But you just kind of override that and just go straighter at the gate inside of where everybody else goes, and then your brain and your legs and everything just sort of figures it out, and you and you and you make the turn. But that idea that we spend a lot of time training within ourselves and what we know we can do, where whether it is from a sort of balance, quickness, agility standpoint, or from a a fitness standpoint, we can do a lot more than we think we can do. And when you get to the point that you're your body says, and I I think some of it is is if you were trying to race. I mean, that's a lot harder and hurts a lot more. But in terms of just, just getting through something, I think there's a lot more there than you really feel like there is. I don't, I don't think I'm going to do 350. <laughs> <laughs> the book endures well, all, all about that, that. All that said, um, I mean, that was, they, so they were finishing on, which I don't think happened last year, but they were on the same course as us. They were flying last, this year. I mean, I so you, I was riding along next to a guy. Yeah, the dude won. The dude won in seventeen hours. He did under eighteen. So yeah, I wasn't riding next to him because <laughs> I was at seventeen hours. But I was riding next to somebody who I had. He, we had been trade. I felt like we'd been trading off for a long time. Where we'd go up a hill and he would go by me, and then it would be flat and I would go by him. And I figured he was getting annoyed at me, but we. He kind of looked over and he said. Um. He said, so when do you guys finish? Or when's the cutoff? When, when is your guys cutoff? And I was like, what? What do you mean when is our? And then I realized he was asking me that because he was riding the 350 and their cutoff. Did they, I, do they have a cutoff for the 350? He's, I think he said three. Wow. Um, which is 36 hours. Because yes. they started at 3 yeah, on Friday yeah, yeah, yeah. and 3 a.m. on Sunday. Um, That's entertaining. That'd be funny if he wasn't even doing Unbound. You're just, <laughs> just like, have a ride. are you doing Ram? <laughs> Sheesh. 
I don't know what Ram is, but... Right Across America. Oh, yeah. That's your next event. Once you That's do 350, then you can do Ram the following year. Uh, mm. Not to put you on the spot, do you have, like, do you have a single highlight moment or a single worst moment? Single highlight moment or single worst moment? Um, that can be a hard question, so feel free to say pass. There were, I mean... The mud, the mud was a little bit of a bummer, but but still, like you're just walking with a bunch of people who are also. Um, the the ha, uh, egotistically having folks know who you are and chatting with them a little bit is is pretty fun to to kind of say. Yes, I am that person that you recognize from this thing. Um, and having, yeah, having a little bit of like a notoriety, um, yeah, again, egotistically enjoyable, but that's cool. But no, the whole, I mean, it was, it was, it was a big day. It was a big fun day. I mean, there, there, it was beautiful countryside. Getting to the finish is fun. Getting to the, getting to the second pit stop and feeling like, okay, this is doable. You know, I mean, that that series of moments when you start to realize that that the whole thing is is viable to finish and you're not going to let everybody down is a is a good thing. That, that's a fun moment. Um, yeah. Re- realizing, boy, if I <laughs> if if I ride 90 miles today, there's no way that Ted is going to podcast with me. <laughs> I don't know. That'd make a good story too. Tell me about your day that fell apart. Tell me about riding. Tell me about 3 p.m. on Saturday when you were sitting in the beer garden. Yeah, it was a great party. Um, well, it's it's a fun it's a fun community. It's it's fun to be able to challenge yourself and and do that. It's fun fun to ride the bike all day. And again, I mean, I I couldn't go out and ride 200 miles right now. I don't think because. I mean, one, the bike is. I think there's. I think there's mud in the derailleur system, so it won't shift yeah. very well. I don't think the bearings are I very think, heavy. Um, you know, it takes a lot of support to be able to to be able to do it. Now, because you didn't have to cash in a whole ton of chits, so to speak, and be like, "Sorry, Jenny, I'm training today. I'm training today. I'm training today. I'm training today." You just sort of live your life, and then you go for a really long ride on Saturday, which yeah. is accurate. Uh, looking forward, does it change your summer at all? Are you gonna? Are you gonna live your life per normal? Are you gonna try to ride your bike more, less, do an event? Uh, I don't know that I'll. I don't know that I'm gonna. I feel like doing an event is tricky because it's just a, a whole day. But I, I do. So, y- your old, the mountain bike is on the back of my truck, and I think it needs brake pads. Ah, uh, that's which, probably the case. The bike shop day, Ted. <laughs> um, I think I'll, I, yeah, I think I'll ride more. Far I mean, I say, it's funny. I, I was, I was feeling, I was starting to feel better. I mean, so going into the ra- going, I think I really started riding realistically five or six weeks before Unbound, maybe even a month. 
And that and the first couple of rides, I thought this is not good. <laughs> big big trouble. And then my legs actually started to feel better, which is fun. That's a really fun feeling to kind of get it. And um, so yeah, I'm, I definitely like to ride ride more. And the other thing that was that the other learning experience from this was uh, flying with your bike is not that painful. Did you fly home with it? No, but I flew there. Oh, I didn't yeah. pack it, so I would need to. <laughs> you know, I need. A little more explanation and packing. Um, well, you you did the reverse process good and well enough. Like, yes, I packed the bike for you. You flew it the next day, and you put it together with all my tricks and tips. I did flip the stem over, and raise, so I raised the handlebars up a little bit, and that actually, I think, made a difference because my shoulders were a lot less sore. That's outstanding. That means you tighten things uh, to the correct torque, or probably over-torque them, which is great. Undoubtedly over-torque them. Because, man, you can scare the daylights out of yourself when your handlebars rotate, when you hit a bump, and you're about to fall straight over the top of your So I, I put them on, and I think I, put, I did one ride where the hoods were too low. Ah, uh, yes. So, so I, did, I made an adjustment there. But, yeah, that would be, that would be frightening. Plus the mud probably serves as friction paste, so that's good. <laughs> the mud. Oh, man. Oh, All right. Mud. Well. Well, thanks, Ted. I mean, that was... It's a... It's a it's a special thing to to be able to do and it's it's like I said it's fun it's fun to see the community that you have built out there and that kind of to to see how you've interacted with that that group and then to kind of tangentially be a part of it is is a real privilege so way um, to carry the torch man I appreciate it here <laughs> Here we got the view of the hedges I was trimming on Saturday, Unbound what Day. Was it? You were trimming the lilacs? I was trimming a little bit of everything. I, I was like, I don't know how big lilacs are supposed to be, so see that the... the oh, yeah. I mean, I couldn't get to the top of them, but all these other hedges too, right? That's some of my finest work. I feel like, uh, what is it called when a hedge takes a shape? It's like an ice sculptor. Oh, yeah. I don't know. Is there a name for that? Yeah, it's got a great name. Uh... I'm going to go look it up. I don't know that I'm going to come up with that, but maybe you can put it in the show notes or something. I will. All right. Well, appreciate other, it. Let's go other, for a bike ride sometime. Let's go for a bike ride sometime. Hazel can now I, get beat up a little bit. I actually did have the thought, Ted, that, and I don't know I don't know how you would do this or if you would do it or... Um, it... it it riding not at the front of it isn't is fun it's just a diff, it's a whole different feel it is definitely a more of a conversational thing mm-hmm. and it's a different kind of group of people than than are at the front um maybe in your in the olden years do that for sure i mean the, the event is interesting i remember there are times if you have a mechanical you just you drive to the next pit and go home or walk to the next pit so it's it's cool that the event has enough uh i don't know the word you know reputation that people it's such a feather in your cap to finish so yeah yeah my second year doing it i had a whole spate of flat tires and i was like man i just want to friggin' quit and then okay i continued to ride pretty hard but i wasn't at the super sharp end of the race and i was it was great to talk to people yeah and interact and not just be like i'm a hellbent racer i mean i talked yeah, I took the speed limit policy. Guy from guy from Northfield, who used to work for VTrans and now works for the Federal Highway Department. And we talked about speed limits on Huntington Road for probably half an hour. During the race. During the race. There you have it. 
There you have it. Topiary. That is the... Is the shaping of hedges. <laughs> and now you know. All right. Topiary, Ted. Well, let's hope you're not a next year. Next year, you're, you do your top, topiarying. No, with any luck, next year we'll have a almost one-year-old child and a three-plus-year-old, and we'll be hanging out in Emporia, Kansas. Ready or not? Yeah, no here kidding. We come. You'll be ready. I will not. <laughs> both uh, alright the end thank you very much Roger thanks Ted there you have it I hope you enjoyed the conversation with Roger again if you missed it the first time around scroll back to episode number 75 to hear Roger's first unbound experience now that he has two in the books and to experience a better bike ride Visit saris.com, S-A-R-I-S. Trainers of all kinds, bike racks of all kinds, storage solutions for your bike of all kinds. Use code saris-social-1522. S-A-R-I-S-S-O-C-I-A-L-1522. For 15% off your next order. Simple and easy. That is it. That is all. Folks, until next time. Please enjoy the ride.